Good evening. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2018. Welcome to the No Trump News Network, where we'll be discussing the day's news and events, and we will not be discussing Donald Trump in any way whatsoever. Let's get right into it. Today at New York University, they celebrated Black History Month by having a meal, a special meal for the students in the dining hall. Uh, And they served on the menu ribs, collard greens, cornbread, yams, mac and cheese, and uh, this is the best part, two beverages to choose from, red Kool-Aid and watermelon flavored water. Uh, one of the students, uh, Kayla Eubanks, I believe she's part of the Black Student Union, uh, noticed this and posted a picture and a video to, to Twitter. Uh, her tweet reads, are, are y'all serious? Y'all really thought it was okay to have watermelon water for Black History Month? I'm not as annoyed by the Kool-Aid, but this watermelon water was very intentional and coonish. Do better at New York University. For their part, New York University has said that their contractor did not consult the university before deciding on the menu, and the contractor, Aramark, has fired the two employees that they deemed responsible. This is just stupid on so many levels. There's lots of different ways to recognize Black History Month, uh, the first of which would be to realize that Black history is American history, and it shouldn't be relegated to one month. Uh, but if it is, and if you are going to try to recognize it, uh, you can do it in a, in a respectful way, maybe actually by reaching out to the Black Student Union on campus and asking them if they want to do something like this, uh, and then maybe actually getting their input for the menu rather than serving watermelon-flavored water, which, again, according to uh, another student uh, who actually pointed to an article by William R. Black in The Atlantic that details how watermelon went from being a symbol of self-sufficiency for recently freed slaves after the Civil War to, you know, eventually becoming a symbol of racism. Same with Kool-Aid, you know, being associated with, with black people who live in poverty. Uh, so lots of different things are wrong with this story, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, the university took some action and some some responsibility uh the, the president said this is unacceptable uh the the contractor fired some employees but the students say that you know i never wanted anyone to get fired i think everyone makes mistakes uh, this is a quote from uh one of the students i had had the response to my questions been any been different and respectful when she talked to the cafeteria manager she said we wouldn't be having this conversation so that's part one let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for part two of today's news with the no trump news network have you ever heard of the election assistance commission probably not but it's the subject of a story published today in politico by eric geller and i think it's kind of a big deal even though the mainstream media has not really paid much attention to it so matthew masterson who is currently the chairman of the election assistance commission uh will be leaving once the senate confirms his successor um, his four-year term expired back in December, and it's up to the Speaker of the House to recommend to the White House uh, who to nominate, and then the White House would for- forward that uh, nomination to the Senate for confirmation. It's kind of uh, convoluted, but this, you know, but that's the, the way our government works. Uh, this, the commission has two Republicans and two Democrats, usually on the board, um, and you know they they really focus on election integrity. It was commit created 
in 2000 to make sure that the uh, 2000 election uh, doesn't repeat itself, which obviously hope that hasn't happened again as far as we know. Um, but especially with what happened in 2016 with the Russian hacking, the Election Assistance Commission has really taken on a bigger role. Uh, what they are really aim to do is help the state and local governments uh, ensure the integrity of their elections across the board. Uh, and the, Matthew Masterson, by all accounts, uh, he's a Republican. He was a former uh, from Ohio. He was appointed by uh, or nominated by John Boehner, uh, and he's been great on the board by, by on, all, on all, all accounts. He actually published a opinion piece in The Hill just uh, last February, uh, when he became chairman, and he said, um, I'm devoting my one-year term as chairman to providing state and local officials not only with the resources and best practices they need to carry out successful elections, but also with a voice in Washington that conveys their concerns and needs. The EAC's mission, as detailed in the Help America Vote Act of 2002, is to help Americans vote. Pretty straightforward. Our relationship with states and local election officials are the best guys to help us effectively fulfill that promise. And he goes on. Uh, and it's, you know, but like I said, he, by all accounts, he's, he's been really great. Uh, but his uh, departure from the board is kind of raising some, some red flags with a lot of people. Uh, Joseph Lorenzo Hall, an election security expert who is a chief technologist at the Center for Democracy and Technology, said this is insanity. He said, you know, Matt is extremely capable and has been a champion of more secure and better elections the entire time he's been on the EAC. Um, so it's kind of strange that he's leaving now, uh, all of a sudden. Uh, so even though his appointment expired in, in back in December, uh, the spokeswoman for Paul Ryan said that we're going in a different direction for our nomination, uh, which, you know, take that how, however you want. Um, according to the commissioner's charter, the speaker recommends the commissioner to the to the White House, which I which I mentioned. Um, but the biggest issue with this is the other Republican on the board um, has not been a great uh, contributor to the board's mission. His name is Thomas. I'm sorry. Her name is Christy McCormick. She's expressed uh, skepticism about the urgency of election security and sharply criticized the Department of Homeland Security for labeling elections as critical infrastructure uh, back at the end of the Obama administration in, in 2016. Uh, numerous states and Republicans uh, even were hesitant about the designation, worried that it was, uh, a, you know, it was going to bring more federal regulations. Uh, even though DHS said that's not what the intent was behind uh, behind saying that. Um, McCormick said that, you know, that the DHS reports detailing, you know, Russia's uh, digital hacking, uh, said it, you know, saying that DHS did that in a, in a political move, which doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know, I don't know why DHS would want to admit that Russia you know, penetrate our systems and was able to hack into our election uh, in whatever different ways they did. So this is what a story to watch. There's not much that we can do about it other than, you know, other than maybe call Paul Ryan and uh, make sure that he nominates somebody uh, who might be 
a fitting replacement for somebody who's been as great as Masterson on this board. But just another way to that our, our elections could be affected here in the midterms in 2018 and the presidential in 2020. And that's something else that you're not going to hear on the mainstream news, but the No Trump News Network is, to, is going to bring it to you straightforward. Stick around. We'll be right back. About a month ago, on January 10th, 2018, the governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, was accused of uh, an affair um, and allegedly blackmail uh, by a Missouri-based news organization, KMOV-TV. They said they had a recording of a woman saying that Greitens uh, bound her, tied her up, blindfolded her while she was partially nude, uh, and photographed her, and then warned her that if she said anything about their affair, which up until that point had been consensual by her account, by all accounts, um, that he would publish those photographs that he took of her. At the time, he wasn't yet governor. He was still a candidate for governor. He didn't take office until 2016, after he won with 51% of the vote as a Republican. Um, this is obviously a ridiculous story on for many different reasons, uh, but it's particularly disgusting when you realize that Eric Greitens, on his face, if you look at his campaign website, if you look at his history, he sounds like a great guy. You know, he was a former Navy SEAL. Uh, when he came back, uh, when he got out of the Navy, he founded uh, an organization that I've heard of, that I, I know uh, numerous of my veterans friends who have, uh, you know, been a part of this organization called A Mission Continues, which gives veterans the opportunity to um, volunteer, uh, take on internships and fellowships with organizations around the country, um, gaining, you know, civilian work experience and uh, providing these civilian employers with their military specialties, really helping to bridge that military-civilian divide. It's an outstanding organization. Uh, Thank God Eric Greitens is no longer a part of it, and hopefully the Mission Continues name will not be smeared by these allegations against him. Um, The reason the story is coming up today after these allegations came out back in January um, is because today the governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, was arrested, handcuffed, and indicted uh, by a grand jury in St. Louis for invasion of privacy, which is a felony in, in Missouri, uh, and, you know, because he took those photographs and then transmitted them uh, somehow to a computer. It might have been through an email or something like that. Um, but that became an, an invasion of privacy, uh, capturing the image of another person without their consent uh, because she was blindfolded. And um, the, you know, the way he wanted to use that image was to blackmail her. So obviously she's not going to consent to that. So... This is something that, uh, you know, it's really hard to believe. Again, going back to his campaign, he ran on a platform of being a family values Republican uh, while he was cheating on his wife. And, and, you know, and both of them, and obviously she has something to do with this as well. Like I said, the, the affair was consensual uh, up until that point. Uh, she met him because she was her his hairstylist and... And they just carried on from there. They they both, uh, he has two kids with his wife. She has two kids with her now ex husband, um, and a lot of and you know a lot of people are are going to be hurt by these allegations, 
not least of all the people of Missouri who put their trust and confidence in uh, Greitens to run this their state. Um, and now he's under indictment for something as heinous as, as this is despicable. That it, So, of course, there's lawmakers in, in, the, in the Missouri legislature have not gone so far as to call for his, in, in his uh, impeachment or asking, asking him to resign um, yet. But they're, they're getting there. Uh, they're, they're simply saying for now that, they have, that he should look at whether or not this will impact his ability to lead the state. Uh, I think because the indictment uh, is so strange, it's difficult to, to tell whether uh, he's going to be you know actually convicted of this or not, uh, because it's not like you know tax fraud or um, assault. It's, it's not as clear cut as uh, as other charges might might have been. So it's interesting to see how this will might play out. But in the meantime, wow. You really have to expect a certain level of humanity from politicians. Obviously, they're they're going to make mistakes, um, but this I think is on another level because he ran on the, this platform of family values while he was cheating on his wife. It's despicable. So we're going to continue to follow the story. Um, like I said, in the meantime, check out Mission Continues. It's a great organization. has almost nothing to do with Eric Greitens, um, except for the fact that he founded it and ran it for a couple of years before he left to run for governor. And as far as I know, he has nothing to, nothing to do with it now. So... Yesterday, CNN hosted a town hall in Sunrise, Florida, uh, with the students from um, Marjorie Stoneman High School, uh, where the shooting took place on Valentine's Day. Uh, And they invited Senator Marco Rubio. uh, They invited the sheriff of Broward County, Florida, where where they live. They also invited uh, Dana Lash, the spokesperson for the NRA. Uh, And it was really a great conversation, uh, most mostly because these kids were so fearless. Uh, you know, you, you would never see adults uh, speak truth to power like this because uh, of the norms and, and the societal constraints that we all feel like we must conform to. Uh, these kids had no holds barred, and this is one of my favorite exchanges during this entire discussion. So, Senator Rubio, can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA in the future? So what he said was, Senator Rubio, can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA? Uh, And I would let you listen to Senator Rubio's response. You can look it up. Um, He equivocated. He dodged and bobbed and weaved and basically ran around the ring trying to avoid answering it. And finally he said, no, no, no. The NRA donates to me because they buy into my agenda, not the other way around. As if anyone believes that little Marco has an agenda that anyone else wants to buy into. He lost the Democratic primary to Ben Carson and Ted Cruz. Uh, so obviously, 
uh, I'm sorry, the Republican primary. So it's not like we have much stock in what he has to say anyway. Uh, But if he really believes that that the NRA is not interested in selling him their agenda, he's just flat out lying to himself or delusional. Um, And these kids are calling him on on that to his face on national TV live, um, and he did not take it well. Uh, there was an, also an exchange later on between Emma Gonzalez, uh, one of the students uh, who, who from that high school, and Dana Lash, the spokesperson for the NRA. Uh, and again, very similarly, Dana Lash ran around the ring, uh, tried to pass the blame to everybody else. She really wanted to make this a mental illness issue. Um, but mental illness didn't walk around, uh, you know, shooting insanity at people. It's just not how not how this works. So the gun control debate continues, but I think common sense will prevail this time, especially the way these kids are speaking up. Since these kids are speaking out now, um, they are being targeted by some in the right wing uh, media and the and you know right wing trolls uh, claiming that the students are not actually students but instead that they're crisis actors uh, or that you know they are being funded by George Soros um, and you know other crazy conspiracies like that that just hold no water to anybody who takes you know even a cursory glance into any of their backgrounds Uh, for example one of one of the students David Hogg um, who started speaking out one of the first ones to, to begin speaking out they right-wing trolls online are, are claiming that he actually uh, graduated from a high school in California in 2015, uh, which is just flat-out not true. His family did live in Southern California. They moved to Florida four years ago. He's currently a senior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in you know Parkland, Florida. So, Again, holds no water. He did a. He ended up being on the news for something completely unrelated. Uh, he, there was some sort of incident with a lifeguard and his friend at the beach, uh, and he ended up being on the news there in California for that. So they're using that as evidence because uh, apparently they don't know that people travel. They go on vacation, and according to his Instagram, he's gone on vacation uh, to California. Seems like every year. Uh, another place he went to on vacation, he visited Atlanta, he visited, visited CNN headquarters, he visited the Coca-Cola factory, uh, and they're using a picture of him from the Coca-Cola factory claiming that he is actually, was, was taking shots of alcohol at a bar. He wasn't. It's the Coca-Cola factory. Anybody who's been there can see that. Uh, and they're saying that because he visited CNN studios and took pictures behind a, a, you know, a mock CNN news desk, that he's being, he was planted by CNN. No, he's just a kid who's a film student, an aspiring film student who, you know, wants to be a filmmaker, and that's just something that interested him. Um, so, of course, he's using his talents to the best of his abilities, and he's, he's using them for a great cause, a cause that it's sad that he has to use it for, but he's doing a great job, and, you know, I don't blame him at all. Uh, but it's disgusting the way that, you know, him and, and his friends are, are being attacked. It's absolutely disgusting that they first had to live through this horrific nightmare uh, of a school shooting in their, in, you know, in their classrooms, seeing their friends gunned down, 
uh, and now to keep reliving that nightmare, trying to make a difference while being torn down by, you know, basement-dwelling keyboard warriors. It's absolutely gross. But I think they're, you know, toughing it out in the face, face of adversity. They definitely have a lot more supporters than detractors, uh, and I think that we're, we're going to drown out uh, the, the detractors' voices and make sure that they know that, you know, we are 100% behind them uh, and we want to get something done, something positive done uh, on gun control soon. So let's talk about what we want to get done, you know. What, what do we want to see happen? Of course, the kids are asking for a complete ban on assault rifles or semi-automatic weapons. Now, the Second Amendment being what it is, uh, I don't think that is going to happen. I, and I, personally, I don't think that that is entirely reasonable, uh, at the, especially at this point in time. Uh, just the way things are in America, we're not going to be taking anyone's guns away. However, I've spoken with several of my friends who are on the right wing. Uh, they are as right as it gets, uh, you know, Republicans through and through. And some of them have served in the military. And even they agree that there are sensible solutions. Uh, one of my friends is a former, former Marine, has expressed the idea that he would be okay with annual inspections and safety certifications, not only on uh, mark, marksmanship and being able to use your weapon, but also on storage, making sure that you store your weapon safely so that uh, you know, nobody can get a hold of it. Like the, in Sandy Hook, the shooter took his mother's weapon that she did not have secured and used it in, a, in an elementary school. So that would be something that he, would, he said he would be willing to uh, accommodate. Uh, in addition, he said he would be okay with surprise inspections of his storage facilities, again, just to make sure that your weapons are safe, uh, that they are being stored in a safe manner, that, that nobody who, who shouldn't have access to them you know, is able to access them. That right there would solve a lot of issues. Now, the other part of it, uh, is that he, something he said he would support, is what's called a gun violence restraining order. Uh, then this is something that has actually been proposed uh, in Congress. Uh, the, the bill, H.R. 2598, currently has up to 60 co-sponsors in the House, I believe, including Senator uh, Congressman Don, ba- Don Bayer of Virginia. And basically what this allows is for the family members of you know, people who they think might be a danger to themselves or others, to petition the court to take their weapons away temporarily. Um, and this allows for due process. It goes through, goes through court, uh, and, and once the court approves it, they set the amount of time. It can be up to a maximum of three years, uh, you know, but again, it's temporary, so it's probably not going to be that long, uh, just until they can make sure that the person is no longer a danger to themselves or others. They, they get the help they need, and in the meantime, they don't have access to weapons uh, that could kill a lot of people. Uh, and at first, it sounded like this wouldn't apply to Stoneman Douglas High School, uh, but because the family that he was living with, the shooter was living with at the time, said that they had no inclination, no idea that he was going to do something like this. But it turns out that before he moved in with this current family, he lived, in, lived with somebody else. Now, this is according to CNN. Uh, they've obtained a, a police report from the previous family he lived with, who told the police that not only was he dangerous, not only was he scary, not only was he threatening, but he actually 
put a gun to somebody else's head and told them that he was going to kill them. And they reported this to the police. You know, it, that's, this is the, exactly the type of situation where a gun violence restraining order would be effective. And you could say that this person maybe doesn't necessarily, necessarily need to go to jail. But let's take away their weapons, make sure they get the mental help, mental health help that they need, and that they, we can resolve these issues in a peaceful manner rather than allowing it to fester uh, for over a year and ending tragically like this with 17 students you know, not coming home from school, I, which I, breaks my heart. I can't even imagine that. But uh, this is the conversation we're having now, and I think this is the right conversation to be having. So let's continue to work on it and make it something that we can get done together. Republicans, Democrats, you know, Bernie bros, and, uh, and everyone else, we can all come together uh, on this issue because no more kids need to die, man. That's all we're trying to say. Overall, it was a really amazing town hall. Um, and everyone did a great job. If, if anyone's going to get anything done on this, it's going to be these students. So let's listen to their song. Down. We'll get back up again You may have heard us But I 
So that's going to do it for us on the inaugural episode of the No Trump News Network. I really hope you enjoyed and you got some great insight out of the stories that we brought to you. We'd love to hear from you about what you would want to hear from us in the future, what you want to talk about, um, and and if you have any questions, comments, or snide remarks, um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Give us a like and a subscribe, um, and we really appreciate your feedback. Thanks.